Welcome to San Diego News Fix, the backstory. I'm Luis Cruz. Every week, we're giving you a behind-the-scenes look at our industry and giving you an insight into how decisions in our newsroom are made. Today, we're taking a look at the ongoing debate over how the city of San Diego should handle public safety amid rising crime and a string of homicides at municipal parks. Joining me today are Union Tribune public safety reporter David Hernandez, public safety editor Dana Littlefield, political columnist Michael Smolens, managing editor Laura Sacalo, and we begin with editor and publisher Jeff Light. Jeff? Okay, thank you, Luis. Um, I, I, I thought we should uh, uh, jump into this uh, story, maybe first by hearing from, from you, Dana. Um, uh, we were talking last week when you um, uh, brought up this, uh, this uh, uh, statement that had been released by the POA about crimes in parks and uh, the criticism of uh, Monica Montgomery's staff. And uh, your first inclination, I, I think, was one of caution. And I wanted to hear from you a little bit about your thinking as public safety editor and when approaching this material. Yeah, um, you're right. We did approach it with with caution. And that's not to say that we did that, you know, I or anyone else on my team initially thought uh, that we didn't trust the data. Um, it's simply that we were concerned about, you know, how we would vet it and how we would present it. What it was what was the most responsible way to present this information? We usually have, you know, there there are many options when when presenting information like this. Clearly, crime data, crime stats are things that our readers are interested in. Um, and so, you know, a couple of the approaches that we have are one to, you know, put out the information right away and then continue working to update that story to provide uh, whatever context is appropriate. And then sometimes we decide it's more important to to wait. It's more appropriate to wait and see, um, you know, how we want to to contextualize this information. Maybe it's not such a good idea to put the information out first, but to wait and see um, what is the best way to present it, um, you know, and that might entail doing um, more research on the numbers that might entail, um, you know, getting broader homicide numbers, for example, um, because this seemed to myself and to others on my team to be, you know, a very narrow slice of kind of the, the crime stats landscape. And for that reason, we did kind of wonder, you know, why this right now? Um, so what we had initially decided, maybe what I had initially decided, was that we would hold off on this information and instead wrap it into the story that we do every year about the previous year's homicides. So instead of simply focusing on, you know, uh, some small numbers in parks, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful any way, in any way at all, you know, anytime someone loses their life, that's an important thing. Um, but we thought maybe we, in order to give that information more context, we would wrap it into our broader annual homicide story. But then the conversation 
um, seem to to ramp up kind of the political conversation around those numbers seemed to ramp up. You know, there was what the police officers association had said about uh, council member Monica Montgomery step. There was her response. And then there were some other voices that were chiming in. So we decided, OK, now this is a story not solely about the numbers. This is a story about that debate. And that's what made us, you know, jump in right away and do that story, which ran last weekend. We are still intending to put those numbers into the broader context of homicides. um, But but that seemed like a good reason to, you know, the political aspect of it seemed like a good reason to go with the story when we did. Yeah. And the politics of it are are, are very interesting. And we'll get to that in just a a moment with. uh with Michael Smolens, but uh, David Hernandez, I wanted to ask you about the numbers. Um, And you and I were just chatting before we started this podcast, which actually has raised some other questions in my mind, which I mean, we might want to uh, explore further. But so you were tasked with this story, hey, there have been a a dozen homicides in parks versus I I think the original release said just two uh, uh, in the prior year. Um, How did you handle that material? Yeah, so the, um, the the union had actually said there there've been twelve homicides in the past twelve year, uh, twelve months, compared to two in twenty nineteen. Um, so um, also kind of raised some questions in my mind uh, in terms of like you know where did twenty twenty go? Is there data for twenty twenty, for example? Why are they comparing the last twelve months to twenty nineteen? So um, all of that being said, you know, one of the first questions was, how do we um, confirm the numbers? How do we uh, collect additional data to put that context in place? So um, we quickly realized that the police department does not track homicides by parks, for example. Um, they, they keep a, a log that has basic information like locations, but it doesn't single out specific parks. So um, uh, I also realized that the POA, the way they had gotten at that conclusion was that they had essentially looked at press releases and um, looked for addresses or also the names of of parks mentioned in these press releases. So um, that seemed like the only approach if we were gonna try to get some sort of data on, on this topic. So um, uh, myself and uh, my colleague, Lindsay Winkley, we started to go through uh, the data that we have. We keep every year a log of um, homicides. Um, Like I mentioned, um, we we request this information from police departments. So we get the basics, the the location, the time, the date. So we essentially um, looked at the addresses to see where they were. And we also looked at the press releases to see if they specifically mentioned a park. So all of that being said, uh, we were able to actually come up with um, data that looked at 2018 through 2022 so far this year. Um, And what we did find was that there was a spike last year um, in 2021. There were 11 homicides. And um, m- many of those um, eleven in at, parks, right? At parks, yes, thank you. Um, and many of those were in the second half of the year, which is why there have been so many in the last twelve months. Um, and that kind of set the foundation for for the rest of the story. Um, it, it, so yeah, that, that's right. how we arrived at the data. So the first the first step was okay. Is any of this true? 
And then you, uh, uh, you and Lindsay applied yourselves and found, uh, wow, there really is, if you look at homicides in parks, uh, I can still see in, in my mind's eye, the little bar graph that accompanied the story. And it showed like maybe two a few years back and then three and then 11. Uh, uh, and then um, a number so far in the first quarter this year. So it really did look like, okay, part of this premise is correct. So now let's enter the, the debate. Although I will ask the overall homicide rate has only gone up uh, 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 a couple of points, I think less than 2%. So I do still have this question that maybe we need to return to. Is there, I guess it could be, there's something different about homicides in parks than homicides elsewhere, that the nature of homicide is changing. Because what those numbers suggest is really what's going on is homicides have not gone up, but a greater proportion of them are happening in parks. Very different question, right? Yeah, that's certainly what appears to be the case. And that's, you know, part of the reason why we did have we we did behave so cautiously in the beginning is because, you know, why why are we looking at this particular slice of kind of the greater landscape of what's happening in terms of, you know, violent crime broadly and homicides specifically? Right. Um, so, you know, that is something that we will certainly continue to to investigate uh, and and we want to put that into the context of a broader homicide story. One yeah. of the, you know, the, the natural question to ask when we get information like this is, you know, why is it happening? And we don't have the answer to that question, um, you know, which is not unusual, frankly, when we're talking about this crime data, we always ask why and we get, you know, a number of theories, um, but it's hard to point to specifically why these spikes do happen. Yeah, um, yeah so so uh, we will be working on that. And we do try in these stories, to your point, Jeff, we, we do try in these stories to put in the context that, you know, overall, there hasn't been a huge increase in homicides and that San Diego still, when you look over a broader period of time, is still one of the safest, safest cities in the nation when you look at the numbers. Yeah. I mean, and I can imagine, A, it could be an anomaly, so that it's cherry picking the numbers. That definitely could be going on. Uh, or the nature of a, a homicide in a public place is different than, for instance, a domestic violence homicide that might uh, more likely take place in a private place. So it could say something about what's going on with homicide. But, but, but to, to, to your point, Dana, the idea of reasons, which maybe we, don't, we haven't really completely uh, uh, explored what the potential reasons might be, certainly the POA's approach. Uh, seem to be implying there was a reason. So Mr. Smolens, you might want to weigh in here because your column today explores uh, uh, the tag, the sort of uh, the, the public uh, debate and the tactics that are being applied in that debate uh, around this issue of public safety. Well, the, the police officers union release to me just seemed like a very political move. Uh, yes, there's concern and David and Dana addressed about, okay, why are these homicides in parks? Is there something going on? Which they really didn't address. What they did is that they went after uh, council member uh, Montgomery Stepp, who's the chair of the public safety committee. And she's well known as she's criticized police tactics, uh, thinking that they're over-policing in, in uh, communities of color and in lower income areas. 
and she has advocated some shifting in police strategy that they don't like. Uh, to me, they were using this to, to go after her. And that, that seemed, seemed pretty clear because these are the same concerns they've had with her all along, even back when crime rates were very low. I mean, you know, the, the, the debate is sort of interesting and nobody's explained to me. San Diego does have a shortage of police officers. It's far below its, you know, budgeted staffing. But that has been the case through historic lows in crimes and now the increasing crime. And, you know, David and Lindsey Winkley and the public safety team, they've talked with experts all over the country. And nobody's really, to my satisfaction, been able to explain why that swing happened. And it's not just a matter of uh, police officer staffing. That is an issue, of course. This also comes as, at a time when the, the police officers union is negotiating with the mayor's office about future contracts. So, you know, I mean, to be blunt about it, I think they're trying to put the city on the defensive that they're not getting enough support, which if you look at the history from Democratic and Republican mayors and Democratic and Republican city council members, they've been trying to boost the police force through incentives uh, for decades, really. Um, so, you know, I, I, I did cast a little suspicion on their motives in that regard. Again, as both David and Dana have said, that's not to you know belittle any notion that there's an issue, potential issue here, but it just seemed like there was a lot of politics wrapped into that that public safety um, uh, release that they put out. Yeah, yeah. Now on our website, uh, uh, we have a little section that uh, speaks to media literacy and uh, aims to help people sort through issues of uh, fake news versus legitimate news, uh, understanding sourcing. Uh, 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 talks about uh, sort of the, the roots of credibility. And one of the things it says on there about fake news is that uh, we should beware of stories uh, that inflame emotions with misleading information to stir passion for an idea, product, candidate, or cause. And I have to say, uh, uh, lo looking at all of, uh, of the the, the material in this story, I sort of felt like that is what's going on. Was, was that what the POA is doing, trying to inflame emotion uh, to, uh, to support their cause? Well, you know, I can't speak to their exact motivation, but I did quote the head of the POA saying that, you know, they're, um, they're being going to be more aggressive. He didn't feel that the past leadership, uh, you know, defended their members enough. That's something a little beyond just, you know, this issue about uh, homicides in parks, that's an ongoing, um, you know, matter over negotiations. I think it also includes the the um, COVID vaccine mandate, which a lot of police officers didn't like, and they weren't happy, I think, with how the leadership, um, you know, dealt with that and confronted that. So there's a, there's a lot wrapped up in it. Is it fake news? I, you know, I think you can have that legitimate discussion about, okay, you know, talking about these 12 tragedies and, and crimes, uh, homicides, and wrapping in their political disagreements with uh, Council Member Montgomery Stepp does seem to be a matter to inflame things. There's legitimate debate about whether to agree or disagree where she or the POA are coming from. But if you go back to that release, it doesn't exactly do this, but it, it, it insinuates that somehow she's responsible for these deaths in parks, which, you know, I'm not making much of a leap on that. I mean, they combine those two in the same release. And, 
you know, she's talking about the need to sh shift more focused economic and social matters to, to try to get at the roots of the crime. There's lots of debate and disagreement over that, but it's not in the here and now of the moment. And it suggests that somehow over the past year, her policies or her approach, because she doesn't set the policies for the police department, had something to do with these homicides. So, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess in the context of our standards of fake news, that comes pretty close. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, so, okay, Laura Sakala, you always get the hardest questions. Uh, as the managing editor, you're um, uh, uh, looking over the entire report and making judgments about the credibility of all of the incoming and, you know, uh, prioritizing how we'll, how we'll display those. But what are your thoughts about this issue of emotion in the news? Because I think here there's an example of uh, perhaps the numbers have been put together in a particular way that will stir emotion. There's a huge increase in crime. That, that is definitely a very emotional topic. Uh, and it's been linked here to a, a political and economic goal that would serve the interests of the group that's putting it out. Um, but this issue of emotion in, uh, in how stories are told and the emotions of, uh, of, uh, of readers around everything from the war in Ukraine to crime to inflation, um, how do we find our way through that thicket without falling victim to this idea of manipulating people with emotion? What is your thought about that? Well, I think first and foremost, our, our ethos and our goal of focusing on the pursuit of the truth is, you know, the best weapon and the best defense that we have. And I think in this particular story, the work that David and Lindsay did with Dana's guidance to really focus on what's at the root of this. Let's, you know, we're going to do our own analysis of the data and the context that they put into that story, I think was exceptionally helpful because it really gave some additional information. You know, we weren't focused on the emotion of the POA's release or what might be behind that but trying to give some context into what are the numbers, what is really going on. Um, I think part of the value of <clears throat> Michael's column and his knowledge and background is that, you know, he was able to be very blunt as a columnist about some of the questionable material. So for example, the POA saying, you know, it's the responsibility of Montgomery Steps Committee, they set the policy. And Michael, as a columnist, was able to say flatly, that is not true. And I do think it's difficult. We want to represent people's and organizations' viewpoints uh, as, as they see them and they would want them represented. But our allegiance is to the truth. And so our need to run the numbers ourselves and put them into context uh, is an exceptionally important part of what we do in these stories. Yeah, I think this is a huge topic and uh, well handled uh, uh, by your team, uh, Dana and uh, David, as well as by you, Michael. So, so thank you for that. And I think it's one that we can uh, return to because this issue of emotion in the news 
is uh, uh, a pretty difficult one because um, there's a lot to untangle there. But for now, why don't we leave it at that? Uh, uh, thank you all and back to you, Louise. Thank you very much, Jeff. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening. Have a great day, everybody.